Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. John chapter 12, and uh, we've been going through the entirety of the the Bible, really teaching the whole counsel of God's Word, not just my favorite topics or maybe yours, but really to look at everything the Bible has to say about the way we should live each day. And so that's why we look at the entirety of God's Word. The more you know about God, the more you're going to know about yourself. You are created in the image of God. If you have no regard for God, then you're really ultimately have no regard for yourself because you will never know who you are. That's why so many people in the world are so easily misled by the world because they don't have their own identity. Your identity, my identity comes from Christ. And so we must always remember the source of our being. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, we ask you now that you would speak to us and God for every one of us, that you would confirm again The things that you've written in your word, they are for us today. And so we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we remember that Jesus had healed and brought back to life Lazarus. And we know because of this great miracle that Jesus did, many people believed. Of course, on the Bible also says a lot of people hated Jesus because of the miracles that he did. In fact, when we really read about this in a few minutes, you're going to find the more miracles that Jesus does, oftentimes people will believe. The more miracles Jesus does, sometimes people turn their heart against him. Well, as we look at this, they were wondering, because of after the healing, uh, the Pharisees wanted to kill Jesus, and they really ramped up their attack. In fact, uh, the first part of chapter 12 says they put a hit out on Jesus. They wanted to get him. Well, what's amazing here is that they wondered, because they were coming up on Passover, if Jesus would show up in Jerusalem. Now, this is one of the things that every Jewish person would do, is they would show up on, well, what we would call Easter Sunday. It was Passover Sunday morning. And they wanted to see if if Jesus would show up on this Saturday, on this Passover. And so the week before we find Jesus now comes in, and this is what we celebrate at Palm Sunday. This is actually the Palm Sunday. Let's read it. Starts in verse 12 of John 12. The next day, a great multitude had come to the feast. And when that, and when they heard that Jesus was coming to, to Jerusalem, they took palm branches and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Great time. It was a political rally. They were all excited because finally this one who could bring Lazarus back to life no doubt would be no trouble to throw off the Roman government that they were all sick and tired of. The taxes, the rules, the regulations, the ungodliness of the Roman government. 
And so looking at Jesus, not as a spiritual savior, but as a political savior. By the way, friends, that's what America needs right now. It needs a spiritual savior. We look oftentimes to our politicians to fix the problems, but the problems, as we all know, are internal. And we need to go back to God, and then I believe everything else would straighten itself out. Well, if you'll notice here, it says they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. Evidently, Jesus was was pretty open about his day planner. And they, they, Jesus let people know what he was doing, what he, where he was going, all those kinds of things. And so he let them know that he was coming to Jerusalem. Verse 13, it says they took palm branches and went out to meet him. Now, palm branches from the time of the Maccabean period. Now, let me explain. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was the Maccabean period. We don't know a lot about it other than some of the apocryphal books speak about the time of the Maccabees. And this is when uh, Antithes Epiphanes went and sacrificed a pig on the altar and defiled it. And we remember the Maccabeans rose up against what uh, the Syrian did and they went and they redid this. And thus, this is where we get the festival of lights that the Jews still celebrate to this day when around Christmas time, they have the festival of lights. Well, that's where it comes from. Well, noticing that this time of uh, the palm branches... It became a symbol of Israel from that time forward. And they were laying the palm branches down in the road as Jesus was descending from the Mount of Olives into the city of Jerusalem. And they were crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, the word Hosanna is a, is a Hebrew word, and it means a lot of things. It's, it's one of those words that has multi-purpose words. And those words are and can be uh, conquer now, live forever, complete acknowledgement that you are God. And so when they were crying out, Hosanna, they were crying out, save now, save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He didn't come in his own name. He came in the name of the Lord. And so it says, the king of Israel. That's what they were looking for. They weren't looking for the savior of Israel. They were looking for the king of Israel. Well, you know, this is an interesting day because we remember one of the other gospels records for us that uh, uh, tell your disciples to be quiet. And Jesus looked at them and said, I tell you, if these people were to be quiet, these very stones would cry out. On this Palm Sunday. Why, why was Palm Sunday so important? It was the day of their deliverance. Now you say, well, what's that mean? Well, simply this. Daniel was praying in the Old Testament. And he got, they're carried away captive into Babylon. Their nation is in shambles. The city walls of Jerusalem are torn down. The temple that Solomon built is just a heap of rubble. And Daniel was praying, this, this Jewish boy from Israel carried away to a far off captive land. And he was praying, he said, God, what will ever become of our nation? The promises that you made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that through you, all the nations of the world would be blessed. And it's all lost. And God spoke to him and said, from the time 
that the command goes forth to go and restore the city of Jerusalem to the coming of the Messiah, the Prince, will be 69 seven-year periods of time. He said 77s have been determined upon the nation of Israel. 77-year periods of time. The Bible tells us on the 69th year, exactly 173,880 days when Artaxerxes gave the command March 14th, 445 B.C., Exactly 173,880 days later, on April the 6th, 32 AD, Jesus makes his triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday. It was their day of salvation. It was their day of deliverance. But because Jesus was not in their minds of the Pharisees what they were looking for, They rejected this very day. This day should have never caught them by surprise. Jesus told them, God told them in the Old Testament, the exact day Jesus would come. The Babylonian calendar was predicated upon a 360-day year. And so if they did the math, they would realize that on the 69th year, Jesus makes his entry in the city of Jerusalem. But Jesus was cut off. He was rejected. In fact, that's exactly what the prophecy that God spoke to Daniel about, that he would be cut off. Well, interestingly enough, 69, seven-year periods of time later, Jesus comes in and the clock stops when Jesus died on the cross. There's a seventh, 70th year, there's a seven-year period of time missing Till God deals and completes all the promises concerning Jerusalem. That we know, friends, is the tribulation period. That's why the tribulation period is seven years long. And the Bible tells us about this 70th week of Daniel. That's also called the tribulation period. Now, we're not going to really talk about uh, Revelation here this morning. But the point is, is simply that... The Bible is not random bunch of facts and numbers and figures that are all jumbled up. It's very concise, very clear. And when the people were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel, in fact, it was their day. The exact day that Daniel in the Old Testament predicted would come. But they missed it. Why did they miss it? Because they failed to interpret the data at hand. That's what happens to all of us when we fail to interpret the data at hand. You know, if you look at your life and you realize your life is not where you want it to be, you're on the wrong road, you're failing to interpret what's going on. Now, if you see your life, it's going on the wrong road, wisdom says, hey, let's change it. The problem is we don't know what to change to. You see, Jesus came not as their political savior this day. In fact, let's read on. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written in the book of Zechariah, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, setting on a donkey's colt. 
And his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him, that they, that these things, um, these things um, for concerning him. Now, I look at this a lot of things. He's lowly setting on a donkey. He's riding into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey. This is not coming into Jerusalem on the white stallion. Jesus does come back to the earth and to Jerusalem riding on a white horse in the book of Revelation. But this time he came as the savior, not as the conquering king. Now it's important to realize we don't really understand a lot of times this idea of the donkey and the horses. So let me try to put it in a 21st century vernacular. And Jesus was lowly. He comes in as their king in a Volkswagen bug. You go, whoa. I was expecting him to come in a Hummer. Not a bug. When Jesus comes back the second time, he's coming in a Hummer. The first time he comes, he comes in a bug. Well, the point is this. He's lowly. He's not out for the pop and splendor. He's coming as a servant. When Jesus comes back the second time, he's coming back as the warrior king. Now, understanding this, it says that the disciples saw, but they didn't understand. Friends, I like to look at this and say, well, those dopey disciples. And then I realize, friends, more times than I can ever count in my life, I'm just like them. So many things in my life that I have learned from God's word. And at the time I hear him, it kind of sometimes I think, we think, well, that's nice, but I'll probably forget it. But I have found that when the word of God goes into you, the Bible, not preacher's fancy sermons, but the word of God, it resides in us. It becomes part of us. Now, I don't understand how that is. The Jewish understanding of this book is not that it is just ink on paper. They believe that it is as alive as anything that has blood vessels and corpuscles and all that kind of stuff. It's alive. And when you read it, it becomes part of you. That's why the Bible says, my word is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to go in and split the marrow from the bone. God's word has a long-term effect in our life. A lot of people say, well, I go to church and, 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 and I know sometimes we go to church and I, I was raised in church. I know some of you were raised in the bars and, and things and I bet you my stories are just as weird as yours. But I was raised in church. But I, I thank God my parents took me to a church that taught the Bible. And what I mean by that is line upon line, Precept upon precept. This is how the book of Isaiah says we're supposed to learn the Bible. Not just a fragment of a verse and build a whole theology upon it. But as we look at this this morning, as we're looking at the entirety of this book, we're going through the entirety of the book of John. You will know the book of John if you come here every Sunday morning. But what's really neat, it isn't just ink on paper, but the words actually begin to fuse to your heart and in your life. And so when you need that wisdom in the days to come, you'll know what to do. In other words, you've primed the pump. You know what it is to make it work. 
See, the thing is, God's information isn't just an instant fix-me stick kind of thing. What it is with God is God begins to equip us. He begins to put all the parts into the places of our life. So when these situations of life come, we can draw on that. We can draw on that. We can draw on this. Why is that? Because every day life presents new challenges. Sometimes it reminds me of a story. I've shared this joke before. I don't mean to offend anybody if it offends anybody. But I remember I heard a story about a guy. And I think it was a true story, actually. And this guy gets on a plane. He was a pastor. He had his Bible and he was sitting there in the chair. And this dude that was on tour, he was a rock and roller, and he comes in with his, you know, black leather jackets and his chains around his neck and his cross around his neck and his earrings, and he sits next to this pastor. Hey, dude. Good afternoon. How are you? Oh, man, I'm good, man. I'm on tour. Yeah, I'm good. They take off. They start flying. The closer they get to their destination, all of a sudden... The pilot announces over the loudspeaker, we're coming into turbulence. Please put on your seat belts. Don't get out of your chairs. As they're flying, all of a sudden, the plane starts bouncing violently up and down. And pretty soon the mass dropped down. And, and this guy looks over at the pastor who's sitting there reading his Bible. And he goes, dude, I got this cross. How do you work this thing? People a lot of times are looking for... A quick fix for a situation. I don't need God unless I have a crisis in my life. And then once the crisis is fixed, see ya God. I'll take care of it till the next time we have a problem. That's not the way a real Christian lives their life. A real Christian lives their life in that God, when you turn your life over to Christ, builds into you the elements that you're going to need for this life. And that's what's so amazing about what God does. Because every day is going to present challenges to you. Maybe not a loss of cabin pressure where you're trying how to work across by rubbing on it. But that you'll be equipped to know how to handle every situation when it presents itself to you. Or somebody presents an issue that they're going through in their life and you can give them the counsel of God's word. Not a lot of religious stuff. Well, you know, just look in the mirror and say, I am cool. I am cool. You'd be better off to say, you know, the Bible says that we need to turn our lives over to him. Well, you know, I just need to realize that, you know, the answer is within me, man. I just got to figure it out. No, the answer is in God. And if you're in him, he'll show you what to do. Now, let's look at this again. The disciples did not understand these things at first. Oh, friends. How many times in my life have I not understood what God said? You know, you think back in your life and you pray and you ask God, well, God, do you want me to move here? Do you want me to take this job here? Or or do you want me to marry this person? The next day, the person breaks up with you and you go, I'm not going to ever pray again. You ever, anybody here? I'm the only one. I, I, my end's up, man. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I've, I've gotten angry with God. But I've always found out something. God is right and I'm wrong. And I have learned the more I trust him and not me, the better I'm going, I'm going to be in life. 
I read it remember many times. I remember one time I, I prayed and, and I, I saw this car and I thought, well, God, you know, this is really a cool car. And, and I, I'm going to, I'd like to get that. And so I got my little money in my hand and I'm driving on my way over to get it. And I, I just said, you know, Lord, if you don't want me to have this, have the deal go south. <laughs> I get there. I walk up to the door, the car's in the driveway, and I said, I, I come, I, I called you on your car, and he goes, you know, the weirdest thing, a guy just showed up and bought it. Huh? Yeah, a guy, it's been for sale for a month, no one's even bought it, and then you come to get it, and a guy just buys it. And I walked away going, wow, God, that was really bad. And God says, you asked me. If God closes the door in your life, always remember, he will open a better one for you. The Bible says he's got and does things far beyond that which we can ask or think. Now, I have a tendency to put God in my little box. And then I turn the crank. Ding, 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 pops God. What will you wish, my master? No. He's the master. I'm the servant. God, I want to be in your box. Because in that, I find protection. When you ask God, listen, the best thing, any if you don't get anything else out of this this morning, if you're a Christian here this morning, be about your father's business. The Bible says, commit your ways unto him, and he'll make your path straight. What does that mean? That means pray about everything. Friends, if you're going to buy something, pray about it first. And you say, well, I prayed about it and I missed the deal. No, you didn't. God's got a better one. Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.